0: Money, it's a hit. Everywhere you look, people are talking about money. There is nothing wrong with being rich. But when you're focused on money and only making it, we lose focus on God who provides us far more and enduring riches. Offering information for your mind. Enabling transformation for your heart. A weekly dialogue exploring God's Word in its application for today's world.
1: Sabbath School U.
0: I'm Kathy, and I want you guys to introduce yourselves and tell me your favorite number and why.
2: My name is Brittany, and my favorite number is number five because when I was in fifth grade, I started the basketball team, and they gave me number five, and it's stuck with me since
0: then. Nice.
3: My name is Michael, and I don't know that I've ever had a favorite number. But um, if I had to have one, I'd probably just go with seven. It's one of those safe bets. If you yeah,
1: know. nice and cliche. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice
3: Christian round number. Uh,
1: my name is Emily, and my num- my favorite number is actually five two, and um, it's because my name has five letters, and E is the fifth letter of the alphabet. So I really <laughs> thought about it. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs>
0: um michael will you start us off with a word of prayer and maybe if you could read the scripture before you do that
3: sure um our scriptural text is coming from matthew chapter 6 verse 21 and it reads in the king james version for where your treasure is there will your heart be also let's pray Dear Father God, we thank you for today. We thank you for this opportunity to discuss the lesson. We ask that you open our hearts and our minds and lend us your understanding as we delve into this uh, Sabbath school lesson. We ask that you will allow us to connect with the content in your name of prayer. Amen. Amen.
0: Amen. Weep and howl. Go. Tell me, what, <laughs> tell me what this means to you. Like what comes to your first thing that pops up into your head when you hear weep and howl and howl? Not
3: foul. <laughs> well, the first thing that pops up in my head, just with the, the, the words they chose to use, weep and howl, a dog at night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When You know, when yeah. you had to leave a dog out at night if you ever had a pet, the sound that it makes is like weeping and howling. Like, they, it wants to get in.
2: Yeah, I think of coyotes. My parents aim. have coyotes out in their back property and you hear them like they all the time. Them? No, they're just oh. wild. Right. Oh, I was but gonna you say. hear them all night <laughs> weeping and howling and that's the first thing I thought of.
1: Yeah, I thought of like, Well, a wolf, I mean, it's all kind of like the same kind of animal, but yeah, like howling instantly, wolf.
0: (laughs) So where, what is, what is this about? What are we talking about here when you talk about weeping and howling?
3: Well, I think when we talk about weep and howl, and and I I don't know the context of the, the wild animals, but at least for a pet, and it's where my mind went, there's a longing or desire for something. So when the dog, when your pet is weeping and howling, it wants to get in. Maybe it's raining outside. Maybe it's cold outside. Maybe it just wants the loving uh, care of of their owner. Uh, that's where my mind goes when I think about weep and howl. So when I thought about how it relates to the lesson, I'm thinking whatever we're going to be discussing in these next few minutes here together we're going to be touching on on the concept of the longing or desire Mm -hmm. for something, crying out for something the crying out the regret remorse maybe we'll see as we as we discuss further but that's where my mind went
0: well let's pretend that you guys haven't read the lesson Mm -hmm. and you we only have this concept of weeping and howling and longing for something else what as humans could we possibly be longing for and let's stay away from cliche answers and just honestly like on a day-to-day basis what could we possibly be like crying uh, to God for?
2: I think one of the more common things is relationships. Um, I think people long for relationships and kind of go after them, cry, you know, to have them in their lives but also um, wealth is one of the big things and success and materialistic things. Um, Those are the first things that come to my mind.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say acceptance, which is kind of along the lines of relationships. You wanna Mm -hmm. like be liked by others. And also um, I thought of, Something along I can't think of a better word but like knowledge like mm-hmm. starting your day knowing what's gonna happen like I don't like waking up and being like I don't know where today's gonna leave yeah, I, I long
3: yeah. for foresight like I know mm-hmm. it's not possible yeah. But I would like to keep myself from making unnecessary mistakes <laughs> or knowing what to do in a particular situation So I don't feel displaced longing for foresight mm-hmm. That would be one of the things but definitely I think relationships hits it on the head the, that's but most people spend the majority of their day saturated with mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, mm-hmm. as speaking from a human perspective again, um, where, how do, we, how do we assure, for example, uh, knowing what's gonna happen during the day? How, how can we assure that? Is there something, I think honestly, money can do it. Because if I have the money to have a brand new car, I know that nothing's gonna happen on my way to work, well, Mm-mm. Supposedly. Nothing you gonna, can't fix with exactly, money. Exactly. Nothing I can't <laughs> fix with money. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and if I have a job and I'm successful, I know that at the end of the day, I'm going to get paid. Uh, if I'm going to come home, I know that I won't have to s- fix a leak on my roof because I, mm-hmm. you makes know. You very secure
2: in, in everything. Yeah. So
0: yeah. do you think that that all could be fixed? All the longings here that we discussed, essentially, could it be fixed with wealth?
3: A wealth in kind. Uh, and that doesn't have to just be money. Uh, if we talk about the relationships, good relationships could be a, a wealth in, in, in sorts, uh, good family ties is, is mm-hmm. considered to be a stance of wealth. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Good opportunities, what family were you born into, what, what opportunities are afforded to you because of your last name. These are all things I think that can be mm-hmm. you know, uh, ascribed to wealth. And yeah, if money's a part of that, definitely.
0: I think an essential part of having money and wealth and riches is knowing how to manage your money. Mm-hmm. And the actually chapter 5 of James talks a little bit about this. And I was wondering do you guys can you guys think of anybody in the Bible that is we can take in as an example for managing their money well?
3: Well, the first one I thought of was was Joseph. That was the first one that came to my mind. Joseph
0: Many colors.
3: Joseph the code of many colors. Joseph Got it. the ruler. We've okay. There's many uh, subtitles for him, but I think um, I think the greatest depiction of how wealth was managed to me when I thought of the characters was through Joseph, and and God blessed him for for his dedication to him and placed him um, in a position where he had to manage the wealth of a nation, and in that context, we're talking about their food, their food source during the seven years of famine. and and, and how he chose to to manage that crisis during the seven years of plenty. And if we look at wealth, not just monetarily, but in in things, uh, I think he was probably one of the best examples we have in the Bible of Mm -hmm. how someone managed it well.
1: In the lesson, one of the examples was um, Peter, and i think that he wasn't really an example of wealth as in money but as we said it doesn't have to be money it can be a wealth of other things and so like the lame man came to him and was like please help me and he said i don't have anything to give you because he didn't have any money but he had a wealth in his relationship with jesus like he knew jesus so well that he could help this lame man with some with some other form of wealth and not
3: a wealth necessary. of knowledge
1: exactly a, a wealth. wealth of knowledge yeah mm-hmm. so this i think he handled it well in that situation i think even just as commonly or
2: maybe even more, um, commonly in the Bible is depictions of how people don't manage their wealth well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we can learn just as much from, from those examples and those stories as we can from somebody who does manage it well. We can pick up lessons from that. So, um, I think we can look at both sides of it.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, another part of James five, which is, uh, what we're concentrating on in this, uh, lesson talks about, repentance and godly sorrow Mm. and we'll eventually come and tie this back around but what do you guys remember according to the scripture what what does James touch on about this I had a little bit
2: of a hard time with this question um, but I think one of the things that James pulled out was that uh, a lot of times with our wealth we we weep and we howl for it um, when it's taken away from us And um, one of the things I think he pointed out uh, in the lesson here is um, he urges those who stubbornly hold on to their wealth to weep and howl. It's as if their impending judgment is even now being poured out. Uh, And then the lesson also talked about how a lot of times the wealthy are they become wealthy or they continue being wealthy by taking away from the poor mm. and that's where it really becomes dangerous. Wealth isn't necessarily a bad thing. Yeah, like that's what I was going to ask. It, we're talking about wealth like it's something Right, Right, really but it's, it's bad. how you manage it. If, if yeah. you're taking away from the poor or taking away from somebody who isn't as wealthy in order for you to gain more, that's when we come to these ideas of r- repentance and godly sorrow. So um, I think we need to look at it from that angle.
0: Not necessarily that it's always bad, but. Mm-hmm. So why, why is it that us in our daily lives, or maybe as Christians, we'll put it like that, we hear a lot of negative connotations towards wealth. Uh, why is that so common? Why why have we learned to kind of accept that as a society? You know, you oh, those are snobs because they have a lot of money. Like, why is that a mentality that we have sometimes, especially in the smaller churches?
3: I think it's because of what people do with wealth. It, uh, you know, you can have wealth and be frivolous, and that can be a bad thing. And then you can, be, you can have wealth and be a hoarder of that wealth, and that could be a bad thing as well. Mm-hmm. And um, so... You know what are people doing with wealth that gives it this negative connotation? And and from what what what's, it's talking about in James five one through six, it even just it talks about describing the degenerate state of the wealth they had. Their their robes were moth eaten. I mean, you have so many um, garments of material wealth, and, and you can't even use them all. The moths are getting to them. Their gold and silver has cankered, and uh, cankered, and 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 this. This means basically it was, you know, rustifying and things like that. I don't even know if that's a word. Rustifying? I, I don't like I a word. And I just feel like <laughs> that's the state that these these folks were living in with their wealth. They have
2: so much of it. They can you know, can't,
3: yeah. what, what could that have gone toward? And, and God doesn't say to get rid of the wealth. But, you know, if you are going to get rid of the wealth, how are you going to dish it out? Mm-hmm. Are you going to further the message of God? Or are you going to use that to bring someone to God? If you're leaving it locked up, you know, it becomes this thing that you've now given so much of your time and attention to it, it almost becomes an idol. Mm -hmm.
0: Uh, Well, when you're talking about idols, you know, sometimes it comes to, we all know that money can become an idol. Mm -hmm. And we all know we've seen it in the Bible where, you know, wealth has become a priority versus our relationship with God. But again we're faced with the question of how do we know it's happening how do we prevent it from happening how where's the line uh... where's the line of us knowing that you know like we are we serving the money or the money serving us
1: mm-hmm.
0: where does where does that line lie mm-hmm. i think um, two good questions to ask uh, when
2: you're dealing with any kind of wealth or managing wealth, money, or whatever other kind of wealth you happen to be um, have. Well, you're a financial person. I am a financial week. person, yeah, yeah, so I focus on the money a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but two good questions to ask is, one, is this furthering God's kingdom in any way? Um, am I doing anything to help others? Um, draw closer to God or build up the church or the second question, is this doing anything to detract from mm-hmm. somebody else's spiritual life or from, from the church as a whole? Am I, am I refraining, you know, holding back something and, and uh, making somebody else falter because of something that I'm doing with my wealth? Um, so I think if we ask those, ourselves those questions with any kind of instance where we're managing our wealth, then that can help us really be sure that we're on the path to um, not having money serve us.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, I have a kind of a weird question, so we you talked about a puppy for weeping and howling. If let's say that puppy was yours and you heard him weeping and howling in the middle of the night, what would you do to make it better?
3: I think it depends on why it was out there, and you know if 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 the dog was out there because it needed to be out there for a certain amount of time so it could do its business, then you know it has to stay out there. you know there you know it's been inside all day it's it's eaten it's it's taking partaking of beverages. It has to be outside partaking for in partaking in beverages. of beverages. Again, they, a fancy dog. Yeah, <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean. But like, it has to go for its walk. And, and some, you know, if you have a closed-in yard, you can let your dog out. Maybe you have to walk out. But I would think there's a reason why the dog is out there. And um, you know, if there is no reason for the dog to be out there, or maybe I just forgot it's out there, I'd have to let it in. Okay. But I think what we're talking about here is is what do you do with that dog when it's weeping? and howling if it's out there for a punishment it has to stay out there
0: well and this is where i was going with this because if god knows um that rich people are not going to end up in the well some you know if he gives money because everything comes from god he gives money to this person but eventually this person is going to lose him or herself um and end up weeping and howling why not prevent it? Why bring it, why not bring it inside right now and not give them that money? Like why is it that we're allowed to have this money and go through the trouble of, cause let me tell you when you have something that you value, uh, I'm talking like a monetary thing. If you have like my car, if I, you know, like it would take a lot for me to just be like, okay, here, my sister, you can have the car. You know, like, why would God even put that there in the first place?
3: What do you do with that car? That's what the, the question I would have for it. What, what do you do with that vehicle? Are you going out? Uh, I mean, and then this is all the scenario. Are you going out on, you know, your afternoons and driving around to feed the homeless? Are you taking people where they need to be? Are you carrying supplies someplace that is needed? If your car was to be run down, in a sorts you're giving up that wealth for that purpose. And I believe that when people give up wealth in in the purpose or the intent to serve God, God blesses you in mm-hmm. turn. So, you know, maybe you never thought that you'd ever have a better vehicle than the one you have today, but but maybe that's the blessing God returns to you. And so that's how we know that wealth isn't always a bad thing because we see the riches bestowed upon many people in the Bible once they displayed that their intent with their wealth was to do well mm-hmm. or to do good for someone else in, in, in reference to what, what Christ would have us do. Mm-hmm. And so um, I think, you know, no one is, is going to readily come to the conclusion without some sort of study, understanding or a spiritual walk. Oh, I'll just give up my, my wealthy, my things of wealth whether it be material or stature or, but I think if you're giving of it to its depletion towards an end that helps further Christ, I think that's what we're talking about when we're talking about giving up wealth.
2: I think it can also, um, you know, you kind of asked why would God give us something that, that potentially could tempt us or, or detract from his kingdom. Um, And I think, By providing us with with wealth, we're given the opportunity to not only grow ourselves, um, but by being challenged of what to do with this, but also the opportunity to grow his kingdom. And so if we're never given an opportunity to mess up, we're also never given an opportunity to grow. And so this allows us to be tempted because that's the only way that we can grow. Um, and we have the choice of what we're going to do with that money if we're going to money or other wealthy things, um, how we're going to use it to further
0: God's kingdom. I guess that makes sense. I just... <laughs> I mean, are you
3: satisfied that,
0: with that answer <laughs> obviously not but here's my thing like and i i guess i've the way i see it is god is all knowing he's all powerful and if he gave me two million dollars right now in this cup actually that wouldn't fit in there but um if god gave me two million dollars and i'm just being hypothetical here he'd know that I wouldn't use it for good, so that's why he's not giving it to me. That's the kind of God that I would know because if I had a child and I was giving them allowance, and I thought and I saw that he had um, a certain a tendency to waste their money on candy, and it was giving him cavities, I would stop giving him money, or I would give him less money. Uh, and I guess I get your point that you know God is giving us the liberty to choose But mm-hmm. if he knows that I'm not gonna choose that why does he give? Why did he give me those two million dollars? Well, why should we continue? I think giving? You,
3: you have to look at it a little differently, too um, We can't just assume that everything we have was because God gave to us And I think another way of looking at it is that God allowed us to come into it mm. and for what purpose if 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 we if we looked at it that way we'd have to say okay everything bad that happens to me God made Mm -hmm. happen to me
2: Mm -hmm. God where
3: I think sometimes things are allowed to happen for us to grow and that's a hard concept I think for some people to yeah that's so really really I, I definitely still try to understand it myself but if I work off of that understanding and I and I think about the wealth that some people are given knowing that they're going to do wrong with it I would actually see that as a curse not as a blessing and I think that's what we're finding here that with some individuals, wealth actually becomes a curse because they don't know how to use it properly. They are not stewards of the wealth that God has allowed them to come into. Mm-hmm. And and if you can't prove the stewardship within your own workings by how you choose to, to, to utilize your wealth, then I don't know how that can become a blessing in the end. And that's what we're seeing this concept of weep and how you know they're they're stuck in enjoying this pleasure and treasure now but when it all comes down to the end we find what the real outcome of of their actions would have been
0: um, one of the questions says in practical terms how can we learn to rest in the promise that somehow when it's all over God's justice will be done and where my mind went with that was When God allows us to have this money and we don't use it properly, I believe that there's people that could essentially benefit from the money that you would give to them that Mm -hmm. aren't benefiting. And it seems like that's unjust. Like, Mm -hmm. why would God give this person this money if they know that essentially that money could go to help these these kids that are starving or, Mm -hmm. uh, you know so how 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 do we know how are we assured that god's justice will be i guess served at the end Mm -hmm.
3: um in first samuel uh chapter 25 verses 2 through 11 it's pretty long so we we can just read some excerpts from it but it it talks about some of that of that concept and you know Th- this gentleman, and there was a man in Mayon whose possessions were in Carmel, and the man was very great, and he had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats and was shearing his sheep in Carmel. And it goes through, it goes through the entire, the story with uh, Abigail, his wife, and Nabal. And I don't know if I said that right, Nabal, Nabal. <laughs> um, but if we skip down, it talks about David sent out 10 young men. This is verse 5. And David said unto the young men, get up, to cu- get you up to Carmel and go to Nabal and greet him in my name. And this was, I think, in an attempt to, to, make, a, to make amends and to mm-hmm. kind of introduce mm-hmm. himself. And now I have heard that thou hast shearers, now they, thy shepherds, which were with us. We hurt them not, neither was, neither was there aught missing unto them, all the while they were in Carmel. And finally, if we skip down to verse 9, it says, And when David's young men came, they spake to Nabal according to all those words in the name of David and ceased. Basically Nabal responds at the end and says shall I then take my bread and my water and my flesh that I have killed for my shares And give it unto men whom I know not whence they be Mm -hmm. This is basically Describing the personality of the individual we're describing here Mm -hmm. who will meet this this end of the weeping and the howling Mm -hmm. All of this wealth all this treasure that he has and his deduction after stating all he has is should I Give them who I I don't know Yeah, And, and then you know if you, if you move throughout the other scriptures that, that accompany the the Sabbath school lesson, we're talking about what would what greater good would that have been to have given of those things. So while your question is, why does Nabal get this wealth when there were people or there are people who could have used it? Why wasn't it bestowed upon them? I think we have to go back to what was the intent of this coming into wealth? What was the purpose of it? And I think that... Um, we're all given this opportunity where we have to make these decisions are we going to do the right thing with our wealth or are we not and i think for people who can't make that decision to do the right thing sometimes it's best to give it up and when you give it up how will you do it that i think Mm -hmm. applies to everything in our life not just wealth monetarily but our relationships if we talked about wealth being relationships to be a true christian you have to have the the right kind of mindset, the right kind of influences. Do you need to give up that wealth of relationships in order to be the person God would have you be? Just what are your thoughts on on where I'm going with
0: this? Well, you bring up a really Mm -hmm. good point because sometimes, I'm just gonna go specifically on friendships, we, as humans, we have to know uh, where our priorities lie for, lack of better word because sometimes we do have to give up friendships friendships that mean the world relationships that mean the world offer you know something that God wants for our lives and the same way we hold on to friend the same way we hold on to money we hold on to those friendships we hold on to these relationships even to family that essentially it's not it's gonna cost some weeping weeping and howling at the end of the day Mm -hmm. um what do you? What are your thoughts on that? Uh. Well, I mean, while we lie in well, like while we rest in the promise that God's justice will be done, in what way should we be actively responding to Jesus so that um, at the end of the day it won't be as hard to give these things up, um, all for the right reasons? Mm-hmm. I think. Um, both the the last
2: two questions that we asked about um, practically how can we kind of be okay with the fact that there is going to be injustice, injustice in the world um, because wealth is not distributed equally and people have a sinful nature. And so they're going to hoard it. And and this talks about how, you know, some people get rich by exploiting others and it's just, it's not fair. They get away with it. And so we can get all caught up in this frustrations and these injustice, you know, feelings that we have about things aren't fair, but in the end, we know that God is going to show justice and things will be evened out and and things will be fair in the end and so for now the way that we handle it i think is we can do everything that is in our power to be able to encourage those around us and with our own wealth by showing them you know how we can distribute it equally and serve those around us the poor and and the widows and the orphans and um, do our
0: best to do our part for the world because essentially these things aren't ours. These uh, relationships, this wealth, all this stuff doesn't belong to us at the end of the day.
3: And just to remember the the understanding or the from the beatitudes, you know, those who are without now will receive riches later. Mm-hmm. And you know, while that might be their plight on earth now, what we know that from scripture, there is justice. There is an end that that will be met. That mm-hmm. explains the unexplained.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: And um, Luke 16:19 through 31, and I'm not going to read it all because it's you know take up our time. But it just basically talks about the, the story that was told in in that in that book about Lazarus and Abraham mm-hmm. and the rich man and how this poor beggar on the street ended up going to heaven while uh, the rich man ended up in Hades, and how. He didn't understand how this, how this was the outcome. Mm-hmm. While Lazarus now has everything, this rich man wants Lazarus to go back from the dead and warn his family. And, and just think about it. If, if people who had the wealth they had today had a chance to go back and undo it, would they?
0: Thank you guys for being here today. If you would like to contact us, please visit our website at www.sabbatschoolu.org. That's www.sabbatschool, U.org. Remember, the goal of Bible study is information and transformation. It's for the head and for the heart. For Sabbath School U, I'm Kathy Britton. <music>